Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Pull out your Crosswalk Notes. Also, open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And in this, in this series, we are just talking about the church. That's why it's called hashtag church. And today what I want to sort of tackle is this question, why bother? What's the importance of church? After all, isn't your faith in God sort of a personal matter? Isn't it a personal relationship with God? And the natural thing to think, for most of us, I believe, is that if something is personal, it, it's also intensely private. And I want, I want to kind of hit on that question today. Is it correct for us to believe that if our relationship with Jesus Christ is personal, that it is also very private? Or would God say, rather invite other people into this relationship with God? That, that, that you actually, and I use the word invite advisedly, ask other people, invite other people to walk with you. Does God want that? Or does God want you to say, this is my relationship with God. This is my personal relationship with God. And really, I don't, I don't need a church around me. I don't need other brothers and sisters in Christ, as they like to call it over there at Crosswalk, to be walking with me in this faith. This faith is mine. That's what we want to tackle today. And I, I will say, I think the world is on to something. Maybe even on to something better than the church in this particular area. I was reading a recent article, for example, in, in Forbes magazine, and I, I, there was this great story in there about two entrepreneurs. The first one is named Nathan Latka. He's a, he's a young man in his uh, late 20s, and um, he, start, he had a startup company, and this guy is driven... Uh, he probably is a, a big uh, proponent of David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. He is all about self-sufficiency, independence, don't need anybody else in my life, and everything that I do is in the name of efficiency. In fact, one of the stories that's told about young Nathan in there is that when, he, when his, uh, his iPhone rings in the morning for his alarm clock, he gets right up out of bed, and the first thing he does is makes his cup of coffee, and then he turns the flame on the stove and puts a pan on the stove to heat it up and then runs to the shower to take a three-minute shower with this in the back of his mind that there's a pan heating up on the stove and I don't want that thing to get too hot, so I've only got a few minutes for, for this shower. I better make the shower quick and get back there. And by that time... You know, this is efficient. The pan will be nice and heated up, and I can put my food right in there and begin to cook it, and it'll cook quickly. So it told this story of this young man that seems to be very successful at doing life alone. And then it told uh, a second story 
about a, a different man, a generation older. And this man's name is Randy, Randy Commissar. And the interesting thing was that the trajectory of these two entrepreneurs matched in their early years. Even their interest and their beliefs about life. Randy had at one point, uh, when, when he was Nathan's age, believed all those things that Nathan was believing and acting on now. Self-sufficiency, independence, uh, taking care of business, getting things done, being efficient with his life. And he had risen very rapidly, very, very rapidly in Apple Corporation. Was very successful, was wealthy, was doing excellently for himself. And then one day he looked around himself and realized just how completely unhappy he was. So unhappy that he started thinking, I'm, I just got to bail on everything. I, I need to just go and start over and do something completely different. And he went into work and there was a, a guy named Bill Campbell at his work that was a friend and a mentor to him. And, and he just got transparent with Bill. And Randy told Bill where he was at and, and, and Bill asked some questions about his life and, and they together came to the conclusion that Randy, in the name of independence, self-sufficiency, efficiency, had basically driven all of his friends and family members out of his life. That he, in essence, had become so devoted to these idols, which is what they had become for him, that his beliefs and his hopes and his happiness, he believed, depended on being efficient and self-sufficient. And independent. And that, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of an idol. Don't just think of an idol as something made out of wood and stone. An idol is anything upon which you are dependent for your happiness, your hopes, your your dreams of life. That's what Nathan is doing, and that's what Randy had been doing until he had that talk with Bill. And they came to realize, and, and even Forbes magazine is supporting this idea, <laughs> that it's dumb to do life alone. And in fact, do you know what the title of the article was? It's an old saying. We've even used it up here. It's an old African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I love that African proverb. You want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And and that those two stories were told to illustrate the truth of that proverb and, and to show that even in our culture, even in our world today, we're, we're starting to get this idea that relationships are critical, relationships are key to us being able to, to have the things in life that we really, really need. In fact, have you heard the new Alicia Keys song? I happened to uh, just be watching, uh, Friday morning I was watching the CBS Morning News, and they play little tidbits of songs, and this brand new Alicia Keys song was playing, and it has a very catchy tune to it. But what really caught my attention was not the tune, but the words. Listen to what she sings. We are here. We are here for all of us. We are here for all of us. 
That's why we are here. Our souls are brought together so that we could love each other, brother. We are here. We are here for all of us. Now that's Alicia Keys. One of the most biggest pop artists. And the name of the song is We Are Here. Listen to it for yourselves. And it has this message. The reason we're created, the reason God made us is so that he could bring our souls together to be there for one another. And it's interesting because I think maybe sometimes in the church, we struggle with that idea. That we truly and deeply need each other. We, we struggle with the thought that if, if he's not here, something is going to be missing. Something important is going to be missing. You may struggle with the thought, if I'm not there at church, no one will miss me. And nothing could be further from the truth. It makes a complete difference whether you're here or not. And every one of you is here because God wants you to be here and to be part of the church. And to show you that, I want to lead you now and let's dive right into Ephesians chapter 4. Because this was the issue. It's a contemporary issue. I just illustrated that. But this is an ancient issue as well. Are we going to serve, I can't think of any other name for it, these idols that we have in our culture of being independent, self-sufficient, efficient, or are we going to understand the importance of doing life together? So look at what Paul says. He's writing in Ephesians 4, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, and I'm going to stop there. As a prisoner for the Lord then, circle that word then. That word is critically important. It might not look like it's very important, but it's huge. Because by putting then in this verse, what Paul is doing is he's saying, don't forget everything I just told you. Ephesians is six chapters long. 4.1 is in the exact epicenter of this letter. And so Paul has been saying stuff for three chapters. And when he uses the word then at the beginning of chapter four, he's basically saying, now let's grab hold of everything I just told you and move forward with that. And what is it that he's just told them? Well, chapters one, two, and three of this letter to Ephesus are this beautiful download of God's love for you in Christ. It it, it talks about the mysteries of God's calling you from eternity. It it talks about forgiveness and, and Jesus' sacrifice being the cost of your redemption, the ransom price paid so that you could be won back from sin, death, and Satan. It, it, it talks about all the beauties of the gospel, in other words, all the beauties of, of what Christ has given you. In fact, if I had one word to summarize chapters 1 to 3, it is wealthy. Paul is saying, in Christ, you are spiritually wealthy. Forgiveness. Peace, eternal life, these are these all have been given to you. And Paul emphasizes given to you. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, which is a gift from God. It's not from yourself so that no one can boast. 
Paul gives this emphasis on the fact that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be a, a good person to get it. Jesus loves sinners like us. Jesus loves real people who have done some real selfish things in their lives because of the sin in their lives. And he comes and actually he dies for sinners like us. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then Paul starts chapter 4. And he's writing actually from a prison in Rome. So he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I'm in Rome in this jail cell because of the gospel. Remembering all of this wealth you've been given, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Since you are now a spiritually wealthy person, live wealthy. That's what Paul is saying. Live as the rich person that you already are in Christ. And what does is, what is that rich life look like? Well, he starts to tell us. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It looks to me a lot like the very poverty-stricken guy whom we follow. And that would be Jesus. Completely humble and gentle. Patient. Bearing with us in love. Do you remember how from the cross, the very first words that emerged from Jesus' mouth were, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with us in love, despite the fact that we're, we're sinful. And why did I call Jesus poverty-stricken? Because the Bible says that though he was rich, yet he became poor, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. Jesus gave it all away. His life, he gave it away so that we could have this spiritual wealth. And so as we walk with him, we begin to look like he does as he lives inside of us. As we we like to call ourselves Christ followers here, as we follow Jesus. Some of you have heard this before. That if you get married and you have a spouse that after a number of years... You begin to look like your spouse. Have you heard that before? I know for some of you that might be kind of uncomfortable news today. But but they say it's true. You begin to look like your spouse after you've been. And and this is what Paul is telling us. that, That as we walk with Christ, as Christ literally lives inside of us, as the power of the Holy Spirit rests on us, We're going to start looking like Jesus, humble, gentle, patient, able to bear with one another in love. And oh, is that needed? Because guess what? Not all of your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Crosswalk are easy to get along with. I'm not easy to get along with. And and don't think that just because you're brothers and sisters in Christ, it's like, oh, 
It's natural. That's easy to get along with everybody. Now, we have wonderful people at Crosswick. I love all of you. You know that. But we're all sinners. And and so sometimes we're going to hurt one another. Sometimes we're going to miss the boat with one another. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes that, that you're going to think, man, how did he make that mistake? And sometimes we're going to just do things that you believe are wrong. And, and you're going to go, I don't know. I don't know if I fit in here. I don't know if I really belong with this group of people. And that's why Paul, that was happening in Ephesus too. And so Paul says, part of being in the church is learning to bear with one another in love. And when you do that, you begin to look like Jesus. And you begin to become what Paul says is the goal for every believer. To become a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. So will you write that? God's goal for me as a wealthy person, I've received all of this wealth, is now to live wealthy and become a fully developed follower of Christ. Live as if this wealth, this spiritual wealth, is really mine to possess and to give away to others. And I find it so interesting that If the first section of Ephesians 1 to 3 is about the wealth you've been given, in Ephesians chapter 4, do you know what Paul is talking about? Now that you're wealthy, here's your walk. Here's your walk with Jesus. And as he just begins saying, here's your walk with Jesus, what's the first thing he hits on? The first thing he hits on is you need to walk together with other Christ followers. Don't walk alone. Don't even think about walking alone. Walk together. And he hits on this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice, you've been given this amazing unity with other believers. Don't throw that wealth away. That's part of the wealth you've been given. Don't let it sit on a shelf gathering dust. Make use of it, remembering there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, Paul knows that in Ephesus, there were people from all over the empire. These, there were different ethnicities, there were different skin colors, there were different uh, backgrounds as far as faith. And upbringing, there were different socioeconomic groups of people in Ephesus. This was a a trade city, a business city, much like Phoenix, much like Levine in South Phoenix, where you just had people coming together from every corner. And it would have been easy for the Ephesians to say, you know what, based on the exterior, I just don't know if I can get along with that person. And Paul says... Whatever little differences that you might notice on the basis of exterior things, that's nothing compared to this vast, vast treasure of commonness that you have, of things that you share with each other. You all, and and he could be, Paul could be preaching that to us here in Phoenix today. Guys, don't forget you are one body because you're filled with one Holy Spirit. Don't forget that you are all called to the same hope. Jesus wants to see all of you in heaven. 
You have one Lord. You have one faith right here. There's just this, the Bible. This is what we rest our hope in. There's, there's one baptism. It doesn't change from week to week, month to month. It's water and the word. And when you combine water and the word and you pour it on somebody, it washes away sins. One baptism. We all share the same baptism. One God and Father of all. Jesus has brought us into the same throne room of heaven to encounter and connect with the Father so that each of us in this room, every one of us in this room can say, I am a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is who I really, truly am. Who is over all and through all and in all. He's over everyone in this room. He's through everyone in this room. He's in everyone in this room. And this is what unites us. Notice the word. Notice the verb. Make every effort to. Notice he doesn't say establish the unity. He doesn't say avoid destroying the unity. Because guess what? You and I, the only thing that we can do is keep the unity. God, the Holy Spirit, has already established the unity by coming into our hearts. Jesus established the unity initially by sacrificing himself on the cross and paying the price to forgive our sins. That's the foundation and the basis of our unity. Earlier on in the book of Ephesians, one of the things that Paul has said is, because of Christ... One of the gifts, one of the pieces of wealth that you have is that you are now placed as a a precious stone, as a living stone within God's temple. And that's the true church. I want you to think about those Ephesians. One of the things we know from the book of Acts is that they had this massive worship of the goddess Artemis. And all of these Greeks and goddesses had beautiful, massive temples built to them, to the glory of those Zeus and Aphrodite. And in the Ephesians case, they highly honored the goddess Artemis. And so they could really relate to this picture because for them, everything was about that temple, that building, usually set on a high hill where everyone in the city could see it. And Paul says, you want to know what the real temple is? The real temple is you who believe in Jesus Christ. Christ has chosen each of one of you particularly and and as a special individual and carefully placed you in his temple, the church. And that's one of God's greatest gifts to you is that he is using you as a precious living stone to be part of this temple that brings glory to him. And that all happens, not because of what we do, but only because of what Christ did. And so I want you to write this down. My connection to God is already solid in Christ. I don't create that connection, Christ did. But what Paul is telling us now is that that connection to the Father in Christ, which is vertical always results in this horizontal connection to each other. And he says, we need to put that connection into practice. Take the wealth we've been given. And Paul's saying this because he knows what we're facing. 
he knows that there is a guy with a pickaxe who wants to wail away at the church and chip out every living stone out of that temple that God is building that he can. He knows that we have a mortal enemy, that the moment any of us is drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust in Jesus as our Savior, in that moment, we become an enemy of of the devil who will spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out a way how he can grab hold of us as one of those living stones and pull us back out of the temple. And so Paul says, understand this, your connection to God is firm because your connection is based in Christ's death and resurrection. And he says, practice the unity because you also need the spiritual protection and the accountability and the encouragement that your fellow believers have to offer you. And this is one of the greatest blessings that God has given you, one of the greatest benefits that God has given you in giving you the church. Look at what he warns the Corinthians. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you're that guy that's saying, I can have that personal private relationship to God. I don't need a church around me. I can handle this on my own. I don't need anyone to encourage me. I don't need anyone to hold me accountable. I don't need the spiritual protection of other people. I'm good. Paul's talking to you. He's talking to you today as he was talking to the Corinthians 2,000 years ago. He's saying, if you think you got it all together, all on your own, and you are bowing down to the idol of self-sufficiency and independence, and you think you are standing firm, be careful. He's talking to any of us who catch that thought and begin to believe it and base our life on it. And he says to us, to the Ephesians, God built the church as his temple for a reason. Church is the people that Jesus gave me. And I've said it already, but let's look at the passages. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The church, one of the biggest benefits is, look, life at times can be discouraging, can't it? I mean... (laughs) Right there in our tagline, real people. And to me, one of the aspects of real people is we go through pain in our lives. And we don't, being real means we don't try to hide that and just, you know, band-aid solution it with some sort of a mask and put a smile on our face and go, oh, we're good. But we recognize sometimes that life is disappointing. In fact, quite often life is disappointing to us. And so we need encouragers around us to keep us going. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not only... Did God create the church for your encouragement, but he also created it for your accountability? Because what's also true of us is we hit plateaus and we tend to drift in our life. And 
And we'll tell ourselves, well, I'm, I'm just going to take one weekend off of church. And pretty soon we look back and we've taken eight weekends off of church. I, I'm just going to take one semester away from a growth group. And pretty soon we haven't been in a growth group for three years. We tell ourselves that, you know what, I've served on a team. And I, I've done my time. I've done my thing. You know, I've put the church on my back for a long time. Now it's time for a little recovery. I'm going to take a break just for a little while to restore the batteries. And we look back and it's been months and years since we last served in our church. And, and then all of a sudden we realize our desire to be with the Lord is also going back down the other side of the hill. And so we need each other. And we need each other to say, hey, brother, how you doing? why haven't I seen you in growth group for a while if I've been missing you at church? And, and realize this, as much as, as much as I love you, as much as Pastor Dan loves you, and we love you tons, we're only one person. There is no way for me or for Pastor Dan or even for the two of us together to give you, because we know, we know, I know enough about many of your lives to know that you need encouragement and you need accountability. I need encouragement and I need accountability. And so we, we have to encourage you to give that to each other as well as just looking to us for it because we have limits. We're human beings too. The church has to be there to have one another's back, encouragement, accountability. And finally, notice what it says in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know this, don't you? Satan is a huge liar. And the sin that he caused in the world, we talked about that in our last series. It's, it's caused by us believing the devil's lies. Marriages and families fall apart, post-nuclear families, because of how sin and Satan lie to us, and we believe those lies. Sin is, as the book of Hebrews tells us, deceitful. And if you're, if you're straggling outside the herd, if you're not right in the middle of the herd, you know what, you know what the Bible calls Satan, right? A roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what it means is with his lies. Devour you with his lies. He, he wants to gobble you up, destroy you, have you live forever in a place that is described in the Bible as a lake of fire. That's what the devil wants for you. And don't convince yourself of anything else because that's a lie if you do. And so we need to be in the herd. We need to be together with, with other believers. And the moment we start to straggle from the herd, you know what's going to happen. You've watched enough nature shows. You've seen the lion on the hunt. He never goes for the people in the middle of the pack, in the middle of the herd. And our lion, our devil, is looking for you to devour you. So stay in the herd so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What a huge, huge benefit this is, is that God, through your fellow believers, your brothers and sisters, gives you encouragement. 
in a life that can be discouraging. He gives you accountability when we tend to plateau and drift. He gives you protection so that the devil and sin cannot harden your heart and take you away from God. But there's even more than that. Church is also the gift Jesus gave you where, as we just said, an entire army of believers will help you more fully develop your connection to Jesus. Remember, that is the goal. A strong, tight bond with Jesus Christ. And now you've got all kinds of people to encourage you, keep you accountable to that relationship, that, remember, walk. You've been given this wealth. You're a rich person. Now walk with Christ. The church gives you, it's God's gift to give you and keep you on that walk. But you know what you are? If you're trying to do it all by yourself, have that personal relationship and you've got yourself convinced that because it's a personal relationship with God, it's also a private relationship with God and you don't need to invite others in to encourage you or keep you accountable or help protect you. You know what you are? I have a, I have a friend who's a pastor, but his, his hobby is he loves to work on old cars and restore them. And he, he's one of these guys that he grew up working on engines. And um, not too long ago, he was completely rebuilding an engine. Um, and walk into his garage, and you know what? You could, you could see all the parts as he had broken it all down, all individually stacked and, and beautifully arranged. He's a very organized guy, so they're all arranged, and they're put in their right place. So I thought it would be funny to walk into the garage one day and say, okay, buddy, come on, let's fire that baby up. And he chuckled. But you know what? There's no way to fire that baby up. Why not? Because every one of those engine pieces is laying there separate from all the others. Now, eventually, he started connecting them back into a functioning engine, putting all the pieces and the parts together in the the way they were supposed to be. And the closer he got to getting that engine back together and adding a few new parts here and there where he thought they needed to be replaced, and he put that engine together. And he told me the most exciting day was when he could actually fire that engine up, which was only possible when all the engine parts were put together and assembled in the right way and functioning together in concert. And that's what Paul is saying to us. If you are following the idol of independence and self-sufficiency, you are nothing more than an engine piece sitting here on the garage floor all by yourself. And there's no way you, you can say all you want, fire up for Jesus, baby. But you're not in your place in the engine. Paul says it this way. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What he, what he means is Jesus gave you gifts. He's going to say that blatantly in just a second. This is why it says when he ascended on high, after Jesus rose in his resurrection, he stayed here for 40 days to prove that he was alive. And then he ascended into heaven. It says he took many captives. That means he took us as captives to him through faith. We become 
his servants and his captives. Our hearts are captivated by him. And he gave gifts to his people. He has selected every one of you to receive a talent, an ability, a gift that you can use to serve the church and serve to expand his kingdom. See, when Jesus went away, you know he left the church a grand and glorious mission. And while he wants all of us to become fully developed followers, he also said, go and make disciples of all nations. Just because I'm ascending into heaven doesn't mean the work's all done. I'm giving you the work to do. I'm putting you on mission and I'm giving you gifts of my grace, gifts of my love, so that you can, based on those gifts, know exactly what part in the engine you are and where you need to plug in so that we can fire up the church and get it moving forward to carry out the mission to make disciples and bring more people into heaven with us. When he ascended on high, he took many captives, that's us, and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Just like in this section, he's saying, and don't forget, he descended to redeem you. He who descended is the very one who ascended. It's Jesus, higher than all the heavens. And what's his goal? He wants to fill the entire universe with his glory, with his love, with the message of the gospel. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 24 tells us he wants the whole world before the world comes to an end. He wants the whole world to hear the gospel. Jesus is expansive. His love is expansive. His forgiveness and his grace is expansive, and he wants us to share those expansive pieces of himself, love and grace and forgiveness with others. So write this down. All my gifts can be combined with the gifts of other Christ followers to expand his kingdom. See, that's why God brought you even to this church. Because he thinks you're the right engine part for this engine. So that we can push forward and drive forward. That we can get fired up with the gospel. So that each of you becomes more fully developed. That's one goal. But an even grander and more beautiful goal is that as you become more fully developed followers of Christ. You become part of an engine that drives out into this community with the gospel. And shares forgiveness and heaven with others. And Paul winds up this section in Ephesians 4 with these words. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. He says to the Ephesians, God has given you spiritual leaders. The people who have brought a message to you, an important message, the the message of the cross to you. And what this is to do is make you wealthy people, but in that wealth to equip you, he says, to equip his people for works of service. You are left here to bring glory to God by using those gifts that God has given you to serve him and help us form this engine so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
so that you can become more fully developed followers of Christ and so that others can know Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, fully developed, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Paul says, here's another gift that God gives you in the church, another benefit. Jesus gives me leaders, spiritual leaders to equip me to become a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ, to become a part of this engine. And so that my connection to Christ is firmed up and strengthened. And here's the last benefit from 1 Corinthians. This last one kind of sums up everything I've said. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. What is he saying? He's saying, let's not forget where we all started. Apart from Christ, we really, we were poor. Spiritually, very, very poor. And, And now that we're wealthy because of Christ, let's not forget that we're just very real people. We're, we're sinful people who have just lived in a lot of pain, disappointment, guilt, shame. That's, that's where it started for, for us because of sin. But Jesus has made us wealthy now. And we, we walk a completely different walk because of that wealth. In other words, church is a place where real, real people, sinners like you and me, can obtain a real faith based in the Bible that focuses and centers on Jesus Christ alone and his cross and resurrection, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his peace. Real people are given real faith in Jesus. Maybe that's the best way to say it. So do you see what Paul's telling you? Why bother? Why bother with church? Well, Paul's answer would go something like this. Bother with church because God never intended for you to walk this walk alone. He has made you so wealthy. But understand, you're going to be under attack. And you need others around you to encourage you, keep you accountable, protect you. You also need to be in the church, and the church is a great gift to you, he would say, because this is the place where you can can fit in. And you can use the gifts that Jesus has given you to fire up this engine so that we can carry out this amazing mission of, of expanding Christ's kingdom. He's given you gifts so that you can help other family members. Maybe you're the encourager. Maybe you're the teacher. Maybe you're the person who's in Crosswalk Kids or a growth group leader or hosting or serving on a ministry team. Maybe that's you. And don't think for a moment, remember what Paul said? Make every effort to keep this unity that God has given you. And as a church, as we've thought about that phrase, we've said, there's more we can do. And as, as I wrap up today, I want to just put a few photographs up. 
Last week, I talked about this new hashtag church ministry that we're starting in just a month. The first weekend of November, we're going to hold the first hashtag church meeting. I want to invite every one of you to it. But what, what this new ministry is about is if you're one of those engine pieces on the ground, not sure where you belong in the engine. This ministry is about helping you know what your next step is so that you can fit into this family, fit into this engine. And that's whether you're a guest, you just started coming, you're a friend, you're a regular attender, you're involved in several of our ministries, or you're a member. You've gone to 101 and 201 class, you're continuing through the class system, you're in a growth group, you're serving on a ministry team. So take a look. There's environments for everyone. Whether you're a guest, we want you to feel warmly welcomed. We want you to feel like it's easy to be made to feel like family, even if it's just one of your first times here. Because isn't that what we do for the guests that we love? We make them feel like family as soon as we can. We've got environments where that can happen. And if you want to go a little deeper in your journey with our church, then we've got ministry teams. You've got the band. You've got volunteering at a local charity. You've got helping set up and take down and all. We have dozens of ministries in this church where you can serve. And then finally, to become a family member, where you truly are making full use of the sacraments like baptism and the Lord's Supper. You have a growth group that you meet with. You're going to events like our summer camp and things like that. And you're part of us and you're serving and giving back, but you're also getting and benefiting with so much. This hashtag church ministry is going to be all about helping you to find your place and move in your journey from someone who's just a guest, a dearly loved guest. In fact, I I think I might have, I can't remember if I mentioned this here or first service, but Our greeter team likes to call guests God's gold. That's how we feel about you if you're a guest. You're God's gold. We want you to move to being a friend, to being a family member. And of course, in a church like this, the question can easily be, but how? That's what this ministry is going to help answer for you individually and personally. I think the way I'd wrap this message up is this. I might change that old proverb, that old African proverb, just a little bit. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's the proverb. But I think I might change it to this. If you want to go nowhere fast, go alone. But if you want to go far with Christ, go together with other Christ followers. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've given us not only your son, but you've also given us your bride, the church, Christ's bride, the church. And Lord, help us to revel in the benefits and the blessings of being a member of the church and being in a group of fellow Christ followers. Help us to enjoy the encouragement and the accountability and the protection, the the spiritual protection that you give us through the church. Help us to see that each of us have been given gifts so that we can fit in and serve and glorify you right here at Crosswalk in this church. And help us to know, Lord, beyond all things, that even though we are very real people, sinful people, 
and, and very at times ashamed of the decisions and the things that we've done, yet your very real son, Jesus, and your very real Holy Spirit has granted us a real faith based in the Bible through this church, and we thank you for that. Lord, grant that everyone in this room today is encouraged by this message to make every effort to keep the unity that you created through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray it in His name. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Go home with this thought in your mind. God does not want you doing this life, this sometimes discouraging Sometimes difficult to live in the Lord and live in the wealth that he's given us. He doesn't want us doing that all by ourselves. And so he's given us this beautiful gift with lots of benefits attached to it called the church. And just go home with this thought ringing in your mind. I'm going to make every effort to keep this unity of the spirit that God has given me. We're going to have another song. I'm going to invite you to get up in just a moment, but make sure that as you go out today, you think about finding someone that you maybe haven't met yet and greeting them and start keeping the unity right after this service. Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.